This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I'm excited today to be talking with Julie Neal, and we're going to talk about um, taking care of mom, taking care of ourselves as women, and what that might look like when you're raising a differently wired child, a child with ADHD or other developmental or neurological disabilities. Thanks so much for joining me today, Julie. I really appreciate having you here on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here, Penny, and so happy that I've learned about you and your podcast. Oh, thank I was you. exploring all of the episodes that you've recorded last night, getting ready for this. And I'm, I, so many conversations look like they'll be relevant for me. So I can't wait to listen to them myself. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, first, if you will introduce yourself for the audience, let them know who you are, what you do, um, about your family. Absolutely. Well, um, I am a mom to two differently wired boys. I have a five-year-old and a 14-year-old. So I have been on this parenting journey now um, for over a decade and have that perspective. Um, And yet I still am, you know, in the trenches with a a very little young one. Um, So it gives me, I, I would say, just really interesting perspective on parenting. Um, I'm a life and leadership coach. I have 20 years of experience in the youth development and community building field, which has really influenced the work that I do today as the founder of Mother's Quest, a for-purpose venture that I started um, really to support initially myself in my own life journey. Uh, But I also um, include and uh, welcome in an amazing community of other like-minded mothers on a quest. That's great. And it is funny how we end up kind of life takes us in different ways and we get inspired to do something different than we thought we would be doing. Yes, absolutely. I know it is. I, I well, one of the one of the premises of Mother's Quest is this idea that we are on our own hero or heroine's journey, and right. um, and we never know. We don't always choose it, um, but once you are on the journey, if you are able to kind of look around and embrace the experience, um, then it often feels like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I like that you brought that up, that we don't always choose the experience, because I think a lot of time parents feel very stuck in a kind of a hopeless place because they didn't choose to have a special needs child and they realize at some point that they can't fix it. They have to learn how to live well with it, but that it can't be changed. And I see parents a lot of times say, it doesn't matter what my mindset is. It doesn't matter what I do. You know, this is going to be really hard. 
and I feel helpless about that. Um, so I try as well to really encourage people to accept and embrace what you have so that you can start looking at it more positively. Because if you stay stuck in that helpless and hopeless spot, you're, you're always going to just be stuck in the muck. You're not, um, ever going to really live with intention and purpose and feel good about your life. Yeah. What you're saying right now reminds me of one of the most important lessons that I learned early on, on this journey. Um, when my son, my oldest son, um, was just around just under two. Um, and we got the first, um, you know, diagnosis and, and knew that he wasn't developing typically. Right. And I was in a lot of despair. You know, you go through those whole cycles of grief, really. Um, and my husband, thankfully, um, was able to be much more grounded at the time. And he said something to me that really did change my whole mindset, um, which is that, you know, we, we don't know, we didn't know then what the future would hold for our child. And it was maybe not going to be exactly as we expected it would. Um, but that our job was really just to help him become the best Ryan he could be exactly. and just to reach his fullest potential. Yeah. And once he said that to me, all of a sudden I was able to shift actually much more into the present um, and try to let go of my fears or worries or concerns or a sense of trying to control the future um, and just do everything we could in the present to help him. Yeah, it's really important. I think, you know, at first when you get a diagnosis, a lot of the time you instantly start with what's not going to happen, what you expected out of your parenthood that is maybe no longer possible. And if you focus on that, you do stay in that place of grief. And it is really hard to move forward. And I love that, you know, you're talking about that perspective of being the best that your child can be. I talk a lot about accepting your child's truth, whatever's true for them today. And it might be that they're developmentally behind. It might be that they're not ready for certain things that their same age peers are. Um, But the only way that we can really get to our goal as parents, which is to raise kids who can be happy and successful adults, whatever that picture of success is for them, then you know, embracing who they are and keeping your focus on that is so valuable. It's really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really does. I like how you, you know, you said focusing on their truth in the now, um, because it's constantly shifting, uh, you know, because we've now been on this journey with my oldest for over a decade, you know, we've had lots of different um, moments and experiences, times when things are really going well and he's just completely thriving. And then, you know, it could be a few months later and all of a sudden we find ourselves, you know, in the midst of challenge again. And you can have that initial feeling of like, Oh my God, I can't believe we're here. I thought we worked this out. (laughs) Um, but you know, as development goes, it's not a straight line. It's really a spiral. It may feel like you're going backwards, but you're really just on the next level of new growth and development. But when you're in it, 
in that first, in the moment when things are not feeling good, it's, um, it doesn't, it feels very unsettling. So I'm going to hold on to what you just said about really embracing the truth of where my child is in the moment and try not to have it make too much meaning about where we were, where we're going. Yeah. And I think that helps us as parents with our fear about the future for our kids. You know, if we're not thinking that far in advance, we don't have to be so fearful about what that might look like. Um, And, and, you know, we really don't know what that will look like. So we're letting our imagination run wild and we're letting, you know, our fear of the worst um, coming true later on. And so I think too, that, focus on the here and now and what's around you right now, as you said, is, is really valuable in a lot of ways, but it certainly helps us to not put so much pressure on ourselves and our kids about the future too. You know, I, I think, you know, we push them to do well in school and for some kids with neurological differences, they're not good at school. You know, my son is not good at school and he's not going to be, and he's brilliant. I mean, he has a gifted IQ, but this is not um, an environment and a structure that um, is ideal for him. But what I hold on to is that when he leaves high school, he gets to choose what he's interested in, what he spends his time on, and then we'll have a, a shift. And I, you know, I'm very hopeful and optimistic that things will get better at that point um, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, we can look a little bit to the future because we need that optimism to pull us forward. But we have to be really careful about how much um, assumption we place on that future in order to really feel good about today and have our kids and our whole families feel good about today. Right. And I mean, and truthfully, you know, there is so much about mindfulness and, you know, trying to stay in the present moment mm-hmm. that's, that is valued for, you know, all parents and all human beings. And so, you know, this particular challenge, I think just gives us even more reason to need to learn that lesson and try to stay in that, in that rooted present place. Yeah. And it's really beneficial for us as parents too, as you're saying, it's, um, it can take a lot of that stress off of us, which I think is crucial. And I'm sure you talk about it some in mother's question, what you're teaching to moms. Um, and it's kind of a tool to reduce stress and strain, which can be really detrimental to us, unfortunately. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things that, um, I learned in my work in youth development, actually, um, for many, many years, I was a participant and then now I'm still a facilitator in a practice, um, that we called adult reflection, um, which is just the importance of pressing pause and slowing down and creating space for yourself Mm -hmm. as adults who are trying to help young people learn and grow. Um, that, you know, if we want that to happen for young people, we really have to be doing it for ourselves. So that is something that, 
was a value in the organization where I worked and which I absolutely bring into Mother's Quest um, and all the work I do. But recently I've been uh, facilitating these weekly, um, call them epic life uh, video check-ins with anyone from the Mother's Quest community that wants to be involved um, because I felt the need at the beginning of the week just to carve out some sacred space to slow down check in with how am I feeling about um, my life according to these epic guideposts that I've identified and to set just one core intention for the week um, in my life. And so again and again, I keep coming back to the importance of pause, of reflection, of giving yourself space. um, And then of course, trying to create that um, for your children and their lives for them to do the same. Yeah, self-care is so important. Um, We do a retreat called the Happy Mama Conference and Retreat every year. And this is actually the seventh year for the retreat, I believe. And it started just because myself and two other moms who had similarly challenging kids thought, wouldn't it be great if we could just get together and embrace each other? Like we talk online and we support each other that way. And that's fantastic because without that, you know, locally in person, you would have a very small, if any, support system. Um, But we really just wanted to get together and kind of force ourselves to have a little bit of self-care, to spend a little bit of time on ourselves. And that's become a really big piece of my work with other parents. And um, in continuing that retreat is to really teach moms, because right now that's our audience, that's who we serve at these retreats, but um, to teach them the value, those the importance of self-care because when you are taking care of yourself and you're in the right space um, in a positive place you are going to have better interactions with the people around you and with your challenging child you're going to feel better physically and emotionally and mentally and you're just then able to do so much better at anything that you're taking on in your life and You know, I think it's more challenging for parents of differently wired kids to force themselves to take time for themselves, to check in with themselves, to do something that nurtures their own spirit that isn't for their child or their spouse or, you know, that sort of thing, someone in the family. And so I love that you pointed out about taking that time to pause. I think that, you know, we really need to be doing that every day. And the majority of us, I don't think really do. I struggle Mm -hmm. to even do that sometimes. Yeah, it it is hard. And um, it's one of the things um, I'm on a quest for is, you know, to continually carve out more of that space. And one of the things I have been noticing and really appreciating is how much um, creating structure and really building in core routines and practices helps because, you know, at least I'll speak for myself. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a terribly disciplined person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, if I just get going in my day, you know, I'm going to choose probably sitting down and going through my emails or hopping on Facebook over, um, you know, creating that space. So Mm -hmm. I've started, um, turning my phone off at night 
And when I wake up in the morning, I do like a five to 10 minute morning practice. Um, I have a deck that looks out on my backyard. I go out on the deck, even when it's cold. Um, I do a little bit of like um, some sun salutations and um, like a minute of meditation. I do a quick scan across um, these epic guideposts that I've mentioned and just check in with myself about like, okay, how are these different things feeling? I do a quick visualization about my day. I think about what do I have ahead? How do I want to feel? How do I want to show up? Um, and then I actually sing this little morning prayer. I'm Jewish and there's this beautiful song that is a tradition for, um, Jewish people to sing in the morning to sort mm-hmm. of welcome the day. And I've just created that routine and, you know, I don't do it every single day, but almost always I wake up and I go straight to my deck and start my day that way. And then I'm not even allowed to turn my phone on. It's just a promise I've made to myself um, right. until that until that routine is done. And that structure has made a huge difference for me. Yeah. I was going to say that shows a lot of discipline because I don't think I could get up in the morning and do anything structured or focused right away. It's just, you know, the space that I'm in when I wake up, I am still very groggy and, um, and maybe it would help with that. Maybe, you know, if I tried to kick myself in the pants a little and do it, it would it would become routine for me, but I feel like mornings and I don't get along very good. And <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, but. And so, so there might be a different time of the day exactly. or a different practice entirely. Um, but and actually, it doesn't matter what time of day, right? I mean, it could right. be any time. The point is to check in with yourself and yeah. Yeah. And I do think like kind of sticking to whatever structure or practice feels good to you, Mm -hmm. uh, but really just committing to that and trying it. Because again, like I actually don't feel terribly disciplined in the morning. Um, I've just set up a structure now and a, a, a sort of a practice and a ritual where I don't have to choose because if I had to choose, it would be, I, you know, I would be much less consistent. Right. Yeah, I think my self-care in the morning is hitting the snooze button. I think that's, <laughs> that's my choice in the morning. Well, I, will, for- <laughs> I will send you, Penny, um, a link I interviewed on my podcast, um, the author of a book called um, The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families, um, Lindsay McCarthy. Um, she's a homeschooling mom and just a really thoughtful, thoughtful mother. And she um, she has not only incorporated this miracle morning practice, which encompasses a lot of things I just shared in her life, but she has learned how to build in a developmentally appropriate, similar practice for her children. And it's just part of their homeschooling day. And, uh, it's, it's really amazing, uh, what she does. And it's been a, that conversation with her and we did a 10 day challenge in the mother's quest Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And actually all of those posts are still up. Um, if you searched for it, uh, that was really helpful for me to solidify this practice. So you may want to read the book or listen yeah. to the and see if it inspires you. Absolutely. And I'll share it in the show notes too um, for the for this episode of the podcast. Um, and I think, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because my son, it looks like is going to start doing half days of in-person school. He's really mm-hmm. struggling socially and he's struggling um kind of sensory and with the environment. And so um, we're actually having a meeting in just a couple of days to see if we can put a plan in place so that he does a half day in person, he does his core classes, and then he does some 
um, online virtual school at home in the afternoons. And I think it would be great for us to be able to put into practice some sort of really short kind of mindfulness or centering activity for him um, to kind of brush off the day, brush off that school environment that's very uncomfortable for him and be able to then um, function on what he has to do at home for school as well. So yeah. definitely going to check that out. That's it, it just dawned on me that that's something we really need to do when you were explaining that. So that's really fantastic. And he um, tried a private school for a while that wasn't a good fit and didn't work out. But um, Every morning, um, their classes were like 10 kids a piece, and they would sit in a circle and they would each grab a smooth stone and the teacher would lead them through a really brief, like 60 or 90 second mindfulness practice, you know, feel where your bottom is touching the floor and how, notice how smooth your rock is and all of these things. And it really did go, it took the classroom from all of these kids, you know, this was third, fourth grade. So all of these rambunctious kids having fun with free time in the morning to really being a lot more calm and ready for learning and for being quiet and focusing and interacting, um, in a more common focused way with the instruction. So it was really interesting to me because before that time, it's been several years ago, I really, um, I don't want to say I wasn't a believer, but I didn't understand, I think, the power of taking the time to really be mindful, how much that can really calm your brain. Yeah, I love that. What, what a great practice it sounds like the school didn't work out, but that particular practice, um, sounds, you know, just really thoughtful. And I could see yeah. how that would be a benefit really to any classroom to start yeah. off with something like that. Yeah. And there's studies out there that show that meditation before school or physical activity, um, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, structured physical activity before school increases academic performance, test scores those days. I mean, it's amazing yeah. the difference that it could make if only all of our schools would implement it and use it. Um, so maybe we'll use it at home for that part of the day. I think that's great. And certainly we want mothers listening um, and dads too to make that a practice for themselves as you were describing to just kind of check in with themselves. Do you want to outline... Um, the EPIC Life Framework, what the E-P-I-N-C stand for? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, so, I, you know, I created Mother's Quest now. It's been a little over a year officially. Um, but I feel like the name Mother's Quest has been with me uh, probably as long as I've been a mom. Right. Uh, because essentially, I feel like I have been on my own quest to be the most powerful, engaged mother I can be, and also to champion my children who both do have, you know, very different, um, but special needs of their own. And, um, at the same time, not lose myself in that process. Yeah. Um, and you know, I really do believe that we can be engaged parents and also pursue 
um, the life that is the fullest expression of who we're meant to be and the impact that we're meant to have. Um, but there were many years where I didn't feel like that was happening, where I felt like I was having like these whispers of something more that I was meant to do. Yes. And I didn't listen to those whispers and I didn't carve out that space or take the action for my own self in my life. Yeah. So, um, about almost now two years ago, I had an experience where I finally decided it was really like in a moment, I'm not going to wait anymore. And, um, I sat down and wrote a post about, uh, what had caused me to have that moment of reflection where I decided I'm just going to live this life. Um, and really mother's quest was born, um, that day, but I was struggling to, um, express to people or encapsulate all the things that that meant for me. So for sure, it did have this connotation of being the hero or heroine of my own journey and the author of my story and stepping back into a sense of, um, control, uh, not control in the sense of like control everything, but feeling like I'm, you know, that I'm the one that has to decide what my destiny will be. Right. Um, you know, in the way that many heroines in stories we read will make a choice. Um, but also I felt like there were all these things that I was most on a quest for first and foremost, being engaged with my children in a mindful way. And so one night I finally, um, said like, I, I was having a conversation actually with someone who was trying to help me get clear on the tagline. Um, and she was saying, I think you're talking about, you know, how could moms just like care for themselves more or how can they reduce their stress? And, um, I got frustrated and I was like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, of course that's important. But like, no, I don't want moms just to live like a less stressed life or, you know, a, an okay life. I want them to live an epic life. Um, and so then that night I sat down at my kitchen table with a napkin and a pen and I was like, I think there's really something to this epic life, but could it really capture all the things I'm after? And I decided to just see if it would be, uh, could work as an acronym mnemonic for all those things that I was always talking about. And I started with the first one, E, engaged mindfully with my children. And I realized, okay, well that works. And the next thing I'm always talking about and uh, seeking is, uh, to make a difference in the world in the way that I feel like I'm uniquely capable of doing. And so the second letter P stands for passionate and purposeful. And that is about that impact that we make that's beyond our family. Right. Um, after that, I always talk about how we have to invest in ourselves to make both of those things possible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, invested, I have came out next and then the last letter, um, C stands for connected. And that's about being connected to meaningful relationships and a deep support network in our life um, so that we are in community on our journey, much in the way that you were talking about what inspired those um, camps that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And we don't feel like we have to figure it out alone. Um, and we don't have to remain in isolation. We can ask for help. Um, and we can also share like the joy of uh, the life that we're creating. Right. And inspire so, each other that way. And inspire and learn from one another. Um, so those four guideposts have become um, really a guiding framework for everything. On all my podcast interviews, those are the guideposts I ask my guests about, how those things are showing up in their lives. Um, in my coaching programs, we use that. 
in these weekly check-ins I mentioned, we just do a quick scan of like, okay, on a scale from one to 10, how are we feeling about each of these guideposts in our life right now this week? Um, what's one that we want to see if we can move the dial up um, in terms of our fulfillment? Um, and what's one intention we could make that would help us move there? So I've been really grateful for all the ways in which um, Epic has come to inspire and ground me. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think about uh, mindfulness and meditation as kind of this loose hippie culture sort of thing, you know, when they don't know any better. And so I love that you have so much structure to it. And I think that that's really the way that we can be successful at that, successful at moving our lives to the next level, closer to where we really want to be, closer to what we want our purpose to be is by kind of sitting down and really mindfully, you know, applying mindfulness to this mindfulness practice um, to, to help us kind of define how we're going to get there, but also to keep, as you said, checking in, staying on the same path, because it's really easy when we get caught up in life to to put it aside, put it on the back burner, say that it's not as important as our child or it's not as important as um, work or anything, but it really is equally important because, again, that self-care makes you better capable of all of these other things, makes you more effective, it makes you more... Um, you know, that positive energy brings people to you instead of pushing them away. So I yeah. love that you have a lot of structure to it. And I think that that really helps people to be more accountable with keeping it into their in their daily lives. Yeah. And one other thing I want to say about um, the importance of living this way um, is that, you know, at the end of the day, the thing that matters so much to all of us is that we want our children to to grow up and to reach their potential and to thrive and to live meaningful at lives in their own ways, whatever that means for them. Exactly. And, um, you know, they really do learn so much more from what they see us doing than what we tell them. Yes. So that is also always an inspiration for me as I've been moving into living my life more fully this way is, um, you know, I talk with my kids a lot about it about, you know, all the things I'm working on and the challenges I'm having. And I'm just very open and transparent with them about it. And I can see that they're learning so much, um, and being inspired and even taking action in their own ways as a result of me doing the same. Yeah. Kids definitely learn the most by the behavior that we model for them and what we're teaching them through that, uh, much more than if we just sat them down and gave them a lecture about how to do it, right? Excuse me. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's a, just another good benefit of making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And we do talk about that at Happy Mama, too, that, you know, what do you want to model for your child? Do you want to model yeah. for your child that um, your kids have to come first? It doesn't matter um, if you take care of yourself. You know, there are moms who eat dinner last after everyone else is fed. There are moms who just really um, almost kind of remove themselves from the family because they feel like their role is taking care of everyone else. And mm. instead, your role should be 
as part of that family unit and having that same care and joy as the people that you're taking care of. And so we talk a lot about, you know, if, if you're putting everybody else first, your kids are seeing that they are absorbing that. And the message that they are taking from it is that when they're an adult, everybody else has to come first, that they can't live their passion or what they're interested in, or they can't do things that are solely for themselves because we're modeling that everybody else has to come first. And, and that's a big mind shift for parents. You know, I think culturally we, that's what we're taught. We're taught that our kids have to come first. And a lot of times women are even taught that our spouses have to come first. And so I think it's, you know, it's really important to, be mindfully aware again that how we treat ourselves is how we're teaching our children to treat themselves exactly I would love if you would share with everyone a little bit about um, the programs that you're offering through um, the epic life framework maybe some moms or women in our audience would like to take advantage of that Yes, absolutely. Um, well, so Mother's Quest uh, provides three main things, inspiration, coaching, and community. And so the inspiration um, primarily uh, right now is happening through the podcast where I am interviewing so many incredible moms who are making a difference beyond their family in many different powerful ways awesome. about these epic guideposts. And I have I've done two seasons. So there's about 35 plus episodes waiting. Um, if this conversation sounds like it would be compelling for um, any of your listeners to um, check out. And Absolutely. one of one episode I did in particular that I think they might enjoy um, is with a common friend of ours, Debbie Reber of the Tilt Parenting yes. Community for Differently Wired Children. Um, that's how you and I came, came to be connected. I heard you on her podcast. Um, awesome. So, but so many really great conversations there. Um, in terms of coaching, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching um, either in 90 days. I have a couple one one-time experiences, um, uh, called a milestone rite of passage coaching session, which is really supporting a mom that's on the threshold of something new, um, to really kind of close thoughtfully, whatever chapter they're ending, carry forward lessons, um, and really chart the vision for what's ahead. Um, and sometimes in person, I do that as a hike, a milestone hike. Interesting. Um, I did that with my, my 13 year old, um, when he turned 13 before his bar mitzvah, we spent the day on a milestone hike. And then we actually recorded a podcast episode about the reflections that came up for both of us during that Very hike. Cool. Um, so that's another episode that your listeners might really want to tune into. Um, I also do an epic life strategy session where we take those guideposts and really dig deep into each of them and how they're showing up in your life. And, um, again, you know, what kind of a path you might want to chart to live a more fully epic life. Um, and then the, the signature offering, which I, I almost done with my first in-person, um, session and I'm about to launch a virtual one. It's called the mother's quest circle. And this is modeled after the reflection circles I mentioned that I had been a part of in the right. development field, 
um, but really helping moms build relationships with one another, um, really check in again on these epic guideposts on, um, our future goals, what do we really want to work towards in our life? And then each member of the circle chooses one, um, major action they want to take in their life. Um, that's going to happen through our session. And then we come back together at the end to again, reflect on what happened, what do we learn? What do we want to carry forward, um, from that experience? so that, you know, we can really be champions for one another and support one another. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then I have uh, a Facebook community where I post a lot uh, more personal reflections and encourage other people to share their reflections or their questions or their resources and the passionate work they're doing in the world. Um, and through the Facebook group, there are a lot of different kinds of opportunities. Sometimes I do Facebook lives with some of my guests to follow up on, um, you know, different challenges or things that they've, um, invited me and listeners to do on the podcast episodes. Um, and then I've started doing these weekly epic life uh, video check-ins for us to set intentions for the week. Um, so that's what's there now, but I have like a really big, powerful vision for Mother's Quest and all the ways that these three components, inspiration, coaching, and community could grow and evolve over time. Yeah, absolutely. And the Facebook group, anyone can join that, correct? Absolutely. Anyone can join and you just could go um, mothersquest.com forward slash or backslash. I always forget which one it is. Uh, community. Uh, okay. And if you also go to the mothersquest.com website, you can follow the, um, there's a prompt there to join the Facebook group as well. Yes. And I'll definitely have that in the show notes as well. Lots of different right. ways to interact with you, gain some of your knowledge and benefit from it. Um, I want to talk a little bit as we kind of wind up on time about how moms can really find that spark, because as we've talked about, it's real easy to get stuck in kind of this place of despair. And I wanted to get your input on what we can do to find that motivation to really just finally stand up and say, I'm taking ownership, we're moving forward, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, uh, I have a few thoughts about that. I would say, and it's funny that you should say spark, because um, the, the logo for Mother's Quest actually is spark. Because I do think it starts with this moment of choosing, like I had the, mm -hmm. the one that I talked about. Um, and I, you know, part of it I think is honoring, like in the same way that we said we need to honor our children for where they are in the moment. It's like honoring where you are on your path. Um, and paying attention to like, whether you're ready for something more, you know, sometimes we're just trying to get through. Yes. <laughs> We're like, you know, in our sort of basic need level. And if you're in, in crisis or you have a brand new diagnosis with your child, I mean, realistically, that's not a time when you're going to really be reflecting on your epic life. Right. Um, but I think that if you could at least start with building in some kind of space for yourself, I think it really does start with that self-care. Um, if you can create more space where you are doing the things that light you up, um, where you're connecting with the, the relationships and the people in your life that you can lean on. Um, I think that is a really good beginning. I think one of the things, 
um, I can share this link to you too. My, my introductory episode, um, it's called planting the seeds for mother's quest. I reflected on what, what I think it was that got me to the point of saying yes, uh, to living my epic life. And yeah. it, one of the things in, in looking back, I had decided to go, I gave myself a birthday present and I decided to go to a workshop, um, that Elizabeth Gilbert, the writer, um, was giving, it was a creative writing workshop in Napa, a one day workshop. And, um, I just showed up. I didn't know anybody. It was one of those really strange things where I just made a decision to invest in something that sounded exciting to me. It right. sounded like something I would want to do. Um, and I didn't know where it was going to take me, but, um, you know, and this was after she had written the book, big magic. And the book is set up with these different chapters about like different aspects of who we are. And she had us writing letters to ourselves from these different um, parts of who we are. And one of the letters was like from our chief architect or, you know, the part of us that gets to design our lives, gets to decide what our lives will be. And it was a letter of permission. And I realized that, um, when I wrote that letter of permission, I really thought about like all the things I really wanted for myself and putting those things, those desires on paper, um, led me a year later to launching the podcast on my birthday and, you know, having said yes to the stream that I had been ignoring for many years. So, um, I, I, I guess if I trace the root of that, it really was the decision to do something for myself. Uh, right. And, and that can look different for everybody. And you say investing in yourself, but I want people to realize that that doesn't mean a financial investment. You don't yeah. have to have money to burn to really invest in yourself and in your passions and your joy. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, it's funny that this particular workshop, surprisingly, it wasn't very expensive. It was one of those strange things. Like, I don't know how I found that or was able to have the gift of that. Um, but it could, yeah, you, you can invest in yourself in so many different ways. Investing in yourself could be giving yourself the day to spend with your girlfriends. It could be choosing, you know, when you're driving or you're doing the dishes to listening to a podcast mm -hmm. um, and, you know, being able to hear about and connect to other women's journeys. I think that was why I started with the podcast is I knew that I was at the beginning of this quest and I didn't have it all figured out. And so part of what worked for me to spark things was to really hear other people's stories. Um, yeah. but it can look, it can look so many different ways. And I think the most important thing is to honor yourself, get in touch with what inspires you, what brings you joy, what fills you up and just start to plant the seeds to create more of that in your life. Right. And you mentioned getting together with girlfriends, maybe. And I just wanted to give a shout out for all the introverts out there. It can also be taking time to be fully by yourself, if that's mm -hmm. what gets you going, which yeah. would be me or my daughter. Um, and we certainly enjoy time with friends and stuff. But sometimes um, for some of us, that can be kind of exhausting and feels like another layer of work almost. And so, right. you know, it can certainly be um, alone time where you're investigating what might be your spark or you're investigating your passions and looking for ways to further yourself in those areas. 
Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of a particular woman, um, who I know who recently decided that her commitment to herself, her sacred promise was one walk in nature every day. Yes. Um, that I think she lives in a place where she has easy access to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it seemed at first she was feeling like, oh, it just seems too simple <laughs> that that would be the thing. But actually that was what was really calling to her and what really does make a difference in terms of how she feels each day. Yeah. So it, can it really be can be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I and- guess that would be, oh, that would be something I would invite all your listeners to do is to, you know, maybe grab a journal and just spend a little bit of time. Um, reflecting on for yourself, like when are the moments where you feel most connected, where you feel most grounded, where you, um, where you actually feel like you can breathe and reflect, what is it that you're doing when that happens? Um, And just even identify that would be the first thing. And then the second thing would be to, to schedule some of that time then in your calendar. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, kind of being, we talk on the podcast a lot about being a detective of your child, but I think it's important to be a detective of yourself too. You know, it's a journey to figure out what your purpose and your intention is. And sometimes it's not what you thought it was going to be. Um, I really fell backwards into what became my purpose. And it certainly wasn't me investigating um, for that reason at the time. You know, I, I started blogging originally before my son's diagnosis because I was desperate for somebody to tell me what in the world was going on. And I wanted somebody to find me in the big worldwide web and say, hey, I know what that is. I know what you can do. I know what you should do, you know, and And the more I grew and found community there, the more Mm. inspired I was to take that further. Um, And the more conversations I have on podcasts, the more inspired I am to share all of this information and all of these kind of powerful nuggets with parents, because I certainly spent a long time kind of in a dark place and um, on the wrong path. I had the wrong mindset. I was doing the wrong things. I was hoping for a fix, you know, and, and um, it was a really, really challenging time. And so, you know, the more that I focus on really what my intention and my purpose is, the better I feel about myself, about my family, about what I'm doing for my son. And, you know, it's really hard because our kids are always going to have some struggles. You know, it's not going to be that you finally get to this good place and it stays good forever. It's just not the reality of the situation. And so by knowing that we have purpose, I think it helps, you know, whatever that purpose might be, it helps to kind of drive us forward and to keep us optimistic, where back when I was doing all the wrong things and trying to discover stuff that didn't exist, you know, I didn't have that purpose or that intention. I didn't know really where I was going. And without direction, um, it's really tough. Yeah. And I, I imagine you feel this way, that it's, it's important and helpful when you're in those moments or when you felt like you were doing the wrong things, not to hold judgment about that. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's but I really, did. 
You did. But now looking back, I mean, it's so clear that had you not gone through that experience, you wouldn't be where you are now. Like you wouldn't have all the wisdom um, and the way to shine a light for so many people that you're able to now. Um, So even though it was so challenging and hard at the time, when you look at it, like from the big picture perspective about your journey, I'm sure all of those things were part of the, it was part of the puzzle, part of the experience. It was absolutely the catalyst, really, because when we got to a point where I had some of it figured out and things were better and I felt better um, and I was much more positive and hopeful, I kind of looked back and thought, you know, there were some things that I could have known um, that I could have done that I just didn't discover because no one was really talking about it in a really structured way. And so that was the catalyst for me to start writing um, books and teaching and coaching parents and making courses and stuff was just because I don't want to see everybody else struggle through that spot. And definitely not for two to three years like we did. You know, you, you have to grieve at first. There's there's no way around that. And it's completely natural to do so. But mm. you shouldn't have to be stuck there for years. You yeah. should, you know, we, we all need the tools to be able to move forward and to get to a better place. And then, you know, then we can find that intention and spark and all of these great things um, to really keep growing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, um, we didn't talk much about this. I know we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, but my youngest, um, who's five, um, just recently was diagnosed. Um, and you know, he's very different than my older child, different issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, find myself, (laughs) I feel like I walked through a different door and I found myself back in the same universe. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I, I just went through that period of grieving again and feeling like, huh, you know, this was my child that was supposed to be typically developing. Right. And you know, how did this happen? Um, and then going back and like trusting, you know, learn literally remembering everything I know, everything I learned. And I even went back and listened to a interview I had, um, on my pediatrician summit about the journey and the lessons learned because I needed to hear my own voice. Yes. Um, and these words of wisdom and remember like, okay, that's right. Um, and one of the key things is, um, remembering to find my guides and so I'm really grateful that I found you as a guide and I, um, oh, I, you. Would, you know, I'm looking forward to listening to your episodes and uh, would love if we can have a little follow up too about, you know, your biggest words of wisdom for me on the path that I'm uh, on now with my youngest. Absolutely. I'm honored to. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that we have that experience over and over again. And and I've even talked in the past about how even if you have only one child who has neurological differences and you grieved at first, you got the diagnosis, you worked through it, you accepted it, you found, you know, you located your center in your better place, you can fall back into that grief again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's natural to do so. Like, I think, you know, we put too much pressure on ourselves to kind of wash our hands of it, you know, okay, it's done. I accepted it. I can't go back there. Um, but things happen and and you're going to go back there. And what's really helpful is, to take those lessons, like you said, from the first time or the fifth time or the 10th time that you were there and allow yourself to work through those emotions, allow yourself to have them, remind yourself that it's okay, and then use those lessons so that you can get back to um, a place of kind of looking outward and having that intention and purpose to drive you Um, because we could certainly get stuck in those spots over and over again. And and sometimes it's hard not to, you know, sometimes you get additional diagnoses or you recognize Mm -hmm. that things weren't going to maybe improve as much as you thought they would. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my son, for instance, he's 15. He struggles enormously with executive functioning, which is just the worst thing for public mass education because everything they want from you in high school is a high level of executive functioning. And if you're not there, then you're really struggling all the time and, and you're not able to show your intelligence and your learning and, you know, growth, um, in those ways that are expected. And, you know, I've had to come to a place, you know, at first I was very hopeful. Oh, these are skills. We're going to teach these skills. Maybe medicine will help, you know, a lot of different things. And, and the older he's gotten, the more challenging it has been instead of the less challenging. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was one thing that I had to kind of go through the motions again of accepting and letting go and letting it be, and then being able to move forward. Um, And I think, you know, we have all different sorts of examples among all of us that fall into that place. But it's really important, as you said, to take lessons from it, but also to um, forgive yourself. You know, I I always say, let yourself off the hook. You know, you're doing the best Mm -hmm. that you can in this moment with the knowledge you have and the resources you have. So beating yourself up about what you couldn't do it doesn't help anybody. Um, and so, you know, just accepting that it's okay to be emotional, that it's okay to grieve, um, and even more than once right. is absolutely um, empowering. Mm. I, I just everything resonate with everything that you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we really go in cycles. Yeah. Um, and that's how life happens. You know, so recognizing like, okay, I'm just here again. I've been here before. Um, I'm not actually here in the same exact way I was before, though, because I have new awareness mm-hmm. um, and I've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just holding that positive mindset of what's possible again and knowing that you'll move through it. Yeah. And honoring yourself, you know, I mean, yeah. trying to push our feelings down is not honoring ourselves. It's not being true to ourselves. Um, and I think that's really important. And it's certainly a journey that I have spent a long time on. I myself have um, some pretty significant social anxiety and have had to really push and um, 
and what I'm able, really capable, um, some would say what I'm willing and not willing to do, but it really is what I'm capable of, of pushing myself to do at times. Um, and honoring that sometimes it, something is just not for me and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not the life of the party. I would rather sit at home. I don't go where I don't know anyone. On occasion, I'm motivated enough to really push myself. But, you know, it's just my reality. And it's okay for me. And a lot of people would say, you know, it's not okay. You should be out there. You should do lots of things with friends. Well, you know, for me, that's not fulfilling um, yeah. as much. It's, it's more like work. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that I've gone through with my daughter who has anxiety and social anxiety. And, um, I think that, you know, she and I have kind of taught each other and guided each other through that journey in that, you know, it's okay to not fit the kind of everyone's expectation of normal um, honoring yourself is so much better for you and it doesn't harm anyone else yeah and well this may be a, a good you know final note to end on um, which is that <clears throat> the tagline for mother's quest is live your epic life Yes. And it's not live an epic life. Yes. <laughs> it's live the life that is meaningful and that feels epic to you. And, you know, not what you think you should be doing or what it should look like, but what you really value and what you really want to create. So, um, I, love I, think that. I definitely, you know, just believe in everything you say, honor yourself and, um, live your epic life. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're helping moms to do that. It's, it's a really needed service for sure. We are going to end on that note. We are definitely out of time. This is going to be episode number 32. So for those of you listening to get links to everything we've talked about, blog posts, um, podcast episodes, Julie's website, um, the Facebook group that she hosts, you will go to parentingadhdandautism.com slash 032. And all of that information will be there. And I do hope that you will connect with Julie and her mother's quest and start to do that sort of work in your own life as well. So with that, I thank you very much, Julie, for having this conversation with me. And I will see everyone else on the next episode. Thank you, Benny. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit the website, parentingadhdandautism.com for so much more on successfully raising kids with ADHD. Be sure to check out the podcast section as well for previous shows. Join us next time for more parenting strategies and insights that actually work for kids with ADHD.